Coming up, readings beyond the raffle and Theoryland approved conjecture. Deep dive into the spells and scrolls of nerd culture. Absorb Stormlight. Home sympathy. Arnas, Sayadar, and Sayadin. This is Phantology. You may have heard of us. All right, what's up, novices and accepted? This is Stephen, your host with Phantology Podcast, along with my lifelong friend Josh, here to talk about the Wheel of Time TV show, season two, episodes one through three. So just a little bit behind where the actual releases are happening. Episodes one through three came out last week. You may have seen episode four by the time this episode comes out, uh, but you know we can only get a podcast out so quickly. Anyway. Um, we are talking about the events of the first three episodes. We're going to try to avoid any spoilers for the rest of the season because we've read the books. We know it's probably, I mean, what's probably going to happen. We don't know for sure what's going to happen considering all the differences here. Uh, but we'll just talk like we'll be vague about anything, but we'll talk about maybe some differences and and try not to do any big spoilers and certainly like nothing past events um, from books two and three of the series. Yeah, for sure. I'd say, yeah, we're going to spoil the show completely up to this point. And um, we might talk about how we might talk about vaguely some things from books two and three. Well, I mean, let's get it rolling. Like, how did you like the first three episodes? So my overall impression is that it was a step up from uh from season one like a pretty yeah. pretty big step up in some ways it's it's hard to say so i i, I tried to start a rewatch um of season one before season two and i really only made through the first two episodes which honestly like i really liked when i watched them and i still really liked the first two episodes in season one um but there were a lot of episodes especially at the end and some parts in the middle that season one slogged and so i'm really hoping that like this isn't the same case where the first couple episodes were really good. And then, you know, the series kind of meanders for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. I'm worried. I, I still have a worry that that's going to happen, except for was it season, was it episode four in season one? That was really good Um, with the battle and the, there, there's like one of those episodes, the one before the step in one, I think was really good. Like kind of universally accepted as the best one. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I thought the, I thought people seemed to think the best one was the Moraine focused one. Was that episode four? Oh, that one was good. No, that, I think. That, anyway, whatever. Like, like six, maybe. I, okay, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, overall, I'm I'm worried. Like I, my fears haven't been completely abated for season two, but I do think from what I've seen, on average, it's better than season one. But the first two episodes were a highlight for me in season one. So that's kind of some. Uh, all over the place thoughts yeah fair enough i i agree i think i i am more optimistic about season two after seeing the first three episodes honestly going in i was no nowhere near as excited for season two as i was for season one part of that is probably you know not putting my expectations in the right place so just super hyped for real time adaptation and we, you know we talked about this in our previous uh video 
podcast like two or three weeks ago. So go check that out for full thoughts. But anyway, um, and also there were some reviews on like the day before the release of season two that made it seem like it wasn't great. So I was kind of down. I was thinking, uh, you know, my expectations were very low for season two, even obviously I'm still going to watch it no matter what, uh, just because I have to know. But yeah, I liked the first three episodes. There were some things I didn't like. And I did a little booktube video where I just like kind of rapid fire broke down things I liked and didn't like. And uh, some things I think still from season one that I didn't like in season one, and I still don't really like in season two. But overall, the things I liked were I liked more than the the amount of dislike I had for the things I didn't like, if that makes sense. Yeah. I still think that one thing that not enough people point out maybe is I feel like they've really gotten the essence of each character. <clears throat> I'm not like the hugest Wheel of Time fan. I've read the series once and I've read the first mm-hmm. uh I've I'm I've read the first two books twice. Anyway. But I, I really do feel like they've done a good job in setting up the Edmondsfield five, at least. Nynaeve Perfect. I, I think Nynaeve really, really does a good job of encapsulating the character and even stepping Nynaeve, up the character. Nynaeve, I think, is the best of it, Edmondsfield 5 in the TV show. It's yeah. between her and Egwene. Yeah. But um, Nynaeve, is anno- to me, she was annoying in the first couple books, and upon reread, she was still annoying. But yeah. she gets less annoying as the series go- goes on. And uh, so I feel like they didn't make her annoying in the TV show. So that's yeah. nice. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and Rand, I mean, Rand, like they're going darker, maybe faster for Rand than they did in the in the book series. But I think it's still Rand. Like when I see this Rand, I'm like, yeah, that's that's Rand. Like he's not just Rand in name only. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He does feel like Rand to me. Same thing with Matt. The actor change is weird. We can get into that. But I feel like both Matts really do a good job on encapsulating Matt because Matt does undergo a pretty good character shift in the yeah. books as well. I... I mean, pause there for a second. I'm a little confused what they're trying to do with Matt. The actor just seems to be a little bit like have a a little bit more full of him. Like story wise, I definitely see. I don't know really story where they're going with Matt. It seems kind of weird to have this pairing Mm -hmm. with him and men. And yeah, I just don't know. Like, it doesn't seem like the actor has a lot to do with the character in the first three episodes, at least. So maybe as the story opens up for him. We'll get a better glimpse. There were like a couple of character moments where, uh, you know, Leandrian just said, you're a total wimp and you're a loser. And he's like, crap, I am. Uh, yeah. But other than but that. He, he does have, and this is kind of very, very general spoilers for um, maybe starting in book three or four, but he does have that kind of more cocky, like attitude about him than like the season one Matt had, you know what I mean? And so I think I think that's where what he's trying to play play off as the character is the Matt pretending he's a, like liking to wear the fancy coats. Yeah, and I think that's like that. kind of always like the essence of Matt. He's got this bravado about him that that covers up maybe like a thin veneer of yeah, you know, like low self confidence and and you know as the series goes on, he kind of becomes a yeah. a stronger character, you know, but more sure of himself, but. Definitely at the beginning, yeah, he doesn't. Season one, Matt, I don't know. Like, I'm sure the actor was really good, so I'm sure he could have done that. But, like, especially rewatching the first two episodes, like, he was just down. Like, the only, it, it, it never really, I guess the first scene in the in the end when he was trying to, like, I don't know. Anyway, this actor, it seems like, can bring that forward in Matt, that part of Matt's character forward better mm-hmm. than, even possibly better than season one's Matt could. 
and then pairing, I think. Oh, go ahead. I don't know. I still want to, before you get into pairing. Um, yeah. Also with Matt, I don't understand, and maybe I missed it, but they are just getting rid of the dagger connection. I mean, he says he hasn't touched the dagger in months. To, he, I know he said that to Leandrin, but that like played a big, at least in the books, that was a big thing on his character until it was removed. And that hasn't really happened in the TV show, but it doesn't seem to be so, affecting him. So are we just removing this entirely? I don't well, know. I, I don't think so because one thing, remember Rafe confirmed the scene with the 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 quarter sticks or quarter staff quarter, scene. Quarter staff, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Matt has to come back to the White Tower. I know you said we weren't going to really be spoiling later season stuff, mm-hmm. but it seems like this season Matt's going to be coming back to the White Tower at some point to get that scene, unless that scene happened somewhere else. With maybe, yeah. I guess it could. They could just move them. I mean, we haven't seen Gowan or Galad yeah. in the White Tower, so who knows? Yeah. So we haven't, maybe seen, we haven't seen yeah. them at all yet. Yeah. So maybe. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. But right now, we we assume Fane has the dagger, right? I mean, that. Yeah. I don't remember exactly what they did with that in season one, but I am like, like Fane must have the dagger. Yeah. Fane has the dagger. We'll see. Okay. We'll see. Yeah. Like I said, it's, and it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun not knowing exactly where it's going. I think I know a lot of people probably don't think that, but yeah, you know, maybe more think it's okay than you think that <laughs> I didn't word yeah. that very well, but uh, <laughs> I've seen a lot of comments that say it is kind of fun doing the, another turning of the wheel with the show. Like for, for instance, and maybe we'll skip past uh, my rest of the analysis of the characters and into one of the bigger moments of the, of the season so far was when Uno was completely wrecked by the Sanchen and just uh-huh. killed out of nowhere. Like I kind of was like, okay, this character has some plot armor, like uh light spoilers. He's in later books. It was, so I, I was like, uh, you know, he's going to get out of it. Parents going to find a way. Somebody's going to say something. And then when that didn't happen, I was like, Oh dang, like that's kind of crazy. You know what I mean? So stuff like that kind of makes me a tiny bit nervous, but really happy that like I can still mm-hmm. be surprised by this. adaptation. He had a little bit of plot armor, but he didn't. I mean, he is around in later books, but he doesn't really do anything like critical. Crucial. No, he's kind of a fan favorite. He's yeah, kind of a fan, fan favorite. favorite. Fan favorite is the real issue. Yeah, I don't know if I'll say issue, but that's the real like headline for his death. You know, fan favorite character killed off early. Right. So maybe I don't know if they're just going for the headlines or whatever, or I don't know if they're just. Well, I, I think mean, that I think just it, wanting to. I think yeah. right there you saw okay, Sean Chan or not to be messed around with right which is just i think it it does its purpose really well and it makes me as a reader and as a viewer makes me set aside some assumptions that i might have about the show going forward anyway that's just my thoughts on that yeah do you want to go back to parent i did like where you were going before i interrupted you like three times so yeah yeah, again like a little bit of weirdness with his like depiction of like becoming a wolf brother but that's kind of also a little bit weird in the books i think Mm mm-hmm but I again, I think that the essence of Perrin trying to control his strength, trying to figure out his relationship to violence, trying to like you know figure out his relationship to Matt and Rand, I think is still really intact and still does a really good job in the show. And Egwene, her relationship with the Aes Sedai, her really needing their approval and wanting to be part of the organization, was still mm-hmm. like having a lot of respect for Nynaeve, who doesn't feel that way. Like all of this 
all of these essential character uh, things are really, really coming together and being depicted in really cool ways. So that that that's my thought on on all of that. Yeah, yeah. So I guess the the summary of that is even for people who haven't read the books and have fallen in love with the characters, we feel like at this point through the TV show, they should have a pretty good idea of who the characters are and like hopefully be attached to them now that they're so well established. Yeah. I think like if somebody were, if somebody that's seen the show that were, that were, if they were to pick up like the second book of wheel of time and just flipped like halfway through it and start reading, they might not really, they might be like, why is this plot happening? But they, be able to understand exactly what the character's motivations are just from seeing the show. You know what I mean? And like have a good yeah. idea yeah. of how they would react to X and Y and Z. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. So I think that's a really good thing that I don't see a lot of credit being given to. And there's two glaring exceptions to this, which is my biggest part of the season so far. Okay. So two characters that you are a little confused what their motivations are. I think, well, just the whole relationship going on right now between Moraine and Lan is like yeah, by I, far my least favorite part of the season. And not, I agree. In my opinion, I true, also true really didn't like it. And it's really weird because Maureen in season one, I thought was very true to the character in a lot of ways. But this Maureen is just really weird. It's just, it's just weird. I, and she's just way colder and detached. And for me, it's by far the worst writing of the, of the season and maybe of the show so far of just her being so petty towards land. Like, in my opinion, at least if Moraine were to like try and insult someone or try and make them feel degraded, she wouldn't do it in like such a, like a fourth grader. You can't sit with me at lunch type way. You know what I yeah. mean? At it's least, super passive aggressive, right? Yeah. Maybe like that scene with, well, that scene with uh, Bale Dolman at the B at the, was it that? And anyway, that uh-huh. scene was really cool. So I was like, okay, this is Moraine. This is like totally a Moraine scene. But then with Lan, she's just like, bring me up my dinner, like treating him like a servant or like get away. Like, you know, you've never been important, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's mm-hmm. just, it's just weird to me. The, the one redeeming scene was the, the recount of how they met and like the references to new spring. That was kind of fun. Right. But, but, and you yeah. thought at that point, at that point I thought, okay, this is all right. Because yeah, I was willing to forgive the earlier weirdness. I didn't like it, but I was willing to, to accept the explanation that, you know, she had just been cut off from the one power and was in shock, you know, Varen's explanation there is like, okay, you know, that fair enough, fair enough, right? People don't really act like themselves during those types of, uh, during trauma like that. But then after they like kind of made up, then it's still, it's still not good. It's still really weird. And part of me gets the sense that they're just that Moraine's trying to position land to where he needs to be and that this is like kind of a 3D chess type thing. But even if that mm. were the case, she should be going about it in like a better way. Like even if that were the case, it, it would still feel like uh-huh. it was kind of bad writing on just. I mean, it seems weird that I guess I could see that that may be a little redeeming, but it doesn't really make sense because she was just hanging out, getting information. Like why does did she, she had no plan until she got, uh, what we assume is the dark prophecy from Bale Doman. So why would she be called to land up until then? Like, but uh, I don't know. It's weird. It, it's really weird. Maybe. She, I mean, I think that maybe for whatever plot reason, she wants him to go to the white tower to try and maybe like protect Nynaeve and Egwene or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm, that's all I'm thinking is that she's trying to position land to where she wants him without him realizing that. Yep. But 
you know, at the other level, like she can't lie. So like at least a lot of what he's telling him, like she believes has some truth to it of like, oh, you can never protect me, which or whatever she said. I haven't rewatched it yet to get the exact quote. But mm-hmm. there's like a lot of hurtful things that she said that had to have had like at least some level of truth, even if it was a nice to die truth. Yeah. My deal is it just seems so impractical for her to she can't really defend herself very well. I mean, we saw that in the fight with the fade, like, OK, she's clever and she got one of them, but then she would have died if Land hadn't showed up. Right. And then if Farron uh, hadn't showed up afterwards. But if she's going off on the solo mission or whatever, like. She already knows it's dangerous. She knows it's very dangerous. She's going after the Dragon Reborn and every the whole army of the Dark Friend of uh, the Dark One is doing the same thing. So why would she callously toss away the most useful asset she has in well, this fight? Again, unless it's to go make him more useful elsewhere. It's the only thing I'm thinking. Like, oh, she needs yeah. to go chase down this lead while he needs to go protect Nynaeve and, and Egwene. I mean, she I literally know. ran like 100 feet away from where she was staying. It was immediately beset upon by fades that would have killed her. Yeah. So why yeah. why would she do it again? I don't know, man. It it does seem weird. I'm hoping that there's some payoff. I don't know if the show has earned enough trust for me to be confident that there's going to be a payoff. I'm hoping that there will be. And that's kind of where yeah. I'm at with it. Yeah. It To me, it just seems like manufactured drama and I don't like it. Yeah. Okay. That's probably what it is. Yeah. Well, let's turn the page. I, yeah. 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 That, that's again, like everything else is at some level working for me this season. And that's the only thing that's really not working for me is that, is that relationship. So yeah, I want to get that I out agree. there. The only other thing, I guess, you know, we'll bounce around between positive and negative. The only other like story plot writing thing that I was genuine, genuinely confused on. And I thought just wasn't done well was I don't understand why Ran is in Carrion and Loghain is there. And like, does he know that Loghain is there? Because it seems like he does at one moment. And then it seems like he doesn't the next moment. And he's like beating up this, the former guy who was handling him. But it also kind of seems like an accident. I, I just don't understand the whole, like, does Ran, was Ran really trying to meet Loghain? And because it seems like he is in his conversation. But then it also like, how would he know? How would he know that Loghain is in Kyrian? Yeah, how do you know Logan is there and that what he needed to do in order to talk with him? I I mean it's it's established that it's been seven months. That that part doesn't it's not like enough of a plot hole. It's just like it's been seven months. I think Grand could figure out where Logan is. Maybe he met Serene and Serene, you know what I mean? Like Celine, yeah. Celine. And maybe she I don't know, like there's a lot of ways in seven months he could have tracked down Logan. Sure, I'm willing to believe that. But I would like an explanation because I'm yeah, watching maybe, the show and I'm confused but, by it. But it def- to me, it it was pretty unambiguous that he knew that Logan was there and was trying to get close to him. Like, yeah. He, he, it, it seemed like it was a promotion for him to get there. You know, he had to kind of prove himself with the with the patients that like didn't really know what was going on. And then sure. he, and then I think that when the guy was like a jerk, then he kind of had some like he gave himself permission to go remove that guy from the equation his power got away from him. And I think he, I, I didn't know if he had killed the guy or like severely maimed him or something, but it seemed like he just kind of beat him up. Yeah. I don't know. It seemed like he beat him up and also seemed like he was kind of charred there. So yeah, I'm well, not, it, not sure. it seemed like the one power pushed him past where he wanted to go in terms of yes, uh, how he treated that guy. Um, yeah. So whatever the case may be. And then he got to Logan like that. I don't know. I, I don't see it as big of a problem with that as you seem to. Yeah. I mean, I buy that. I just, 
I maybe I need to go and watch it again. It just seemed a little awkward to me where I was slightly confused, maybe because the whole time I was like, how does he know he's here? I don't get it. Yeah, to me, I, I kind of wish I kind of wish that there was more of the how uh, the House of Cards, not the House of Cards. House of the Dragon? No, the the game of game of how game of thrones game, game of houses yeah days, game of days tomorrow days tomorrow that's tomorrow. what you're going yeah yeah Sorry, okay guys. we got there we got there yeah. yeah house of cards house of the dragon game of thrones days tomorrow <laughs> yeah it works uh yeah i kind of wish that they were focusing more on that because that is a fun part of the books that does carry on like through the series and it mm-hmm. seemed like they kind of had an episode where they referenced like they had some references to it but the fact like in the books everybody kind of thinks that uh, Rand might be the dragon reborn already and wants to get close to him or at least like knows that mm-hmm. he's like significant versus this show he's just like attached to Celine, who is maybe somebody of significance in the city and that's why people think he's important that that that's more my issue with the where uh-huh. Rand storyline right now I thought that scene when it was starting I was like this is very silly they're just showing up at this party and I'm supposed to believe this is important because Logan just needs this wine. Needs the wine. And this is yeah. an this is an excuse for them to like go do something that has like no value. But um I actually enjoyed it once we kind of got into the scene. I thought it was well done. Well, it was basically a scene right out of the books, right? Like, oh, this this person wants to, you know, invite you over yeah. and then I'm more experienced. Right, right. Let me tell you this. And you know, so I think it's enjoyable. I thought it was I thought it was it was done well. It looked good. It was acted well. And so even though I was kind of like, this is a little contrived, it was fine. Yeah, that's just kind of what I want. I think contrived is a good term for it because I wonder when I watch it with um, Mackenzie, how she's going to react to that because it did kind of seem to come out of nowhere versus for me, I'm like, oh, this is the scene from the books or combining a few scenes mm-hmm. from the book. I like those scenes. So I don't know. I, I think it's, we'll, we'll see how it how it plays out if if it if that's the only thing we get from it then i might be a little bit disappointed if it builds on the drama then and mm-hmm. the intrigue then it'll be fine i'm a little interested in the decision to station him and carry in and kind of introduce you know they're only going to introduce so many places in each season obviously for lack of you know they don't want to have too much sprawl they don't want to confuse viewers too much and so carry in is like a is a choice they made um, but that's interesting because Carrion is not really too important until like books five, maybe if I'm remembering right. So I wonder how they're going to kind of reframe the narrative to, I'm assuming at some point, you know, we're going to bring it back around to something important happening in Carrion because Rand and Slane are not going to stay there the entire season. Something's going to happen. And, but I don't think they're just going to abandon that set and the, the Carrion um, setting that they've built up in the. Yeah, I'd be surprised. They were there for most of book, for a lot of book two, for a big chunk of book two. Rand was there with Lyle and, and the gang. Oh, they stopped there for all. See, I haven't read book two in a while. Yeah, I just reread book two, kind of in preparation for this season okay. coming out. Yeah, so they were there for a while. But mm-hmm. you're right. I mean, there are definitely more important cities that are more relevant to future plot lines coming up in the series mm-hmm. that might have made more sense. We'll see. We'll see how they do that. Yeah. I wish they had some way of some clever way of integrating the map into the show. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 
I mean, it's it tough because you can't copy Game of Thrones with the intro. No, but but it seems like Amazon is willing to do like kind of the multimedia format. So it, it kind of mm-hmm. seems like they could have kind of a cool like x-ray feature or whatever where you like pause it and then you can like toggle over to the map and like see where the characters are on the map. Yeah, that'd be really cool. I think that actually might have existed in season one. I don't know about season two. Maybe, but the thing, the the kind of downside of that for the show would be they, they seem to be traveling pretty fast between places. And so you might be like, oh, how did yeah. they get from there to there? I mean, there was a time job. Right. I don't know. Anyway. Right. That didn't stop Game of Thrones from doing it. I got, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, and everyone hated it. So don't do it. Yeah. yeah. I wonder how many people actually use the x-ray feature. I, I honestly do. They're, like almost every time I watch a show on Amazon, I pause it for some tidbit of information. I mean, I use it every now and then, but I don't think you can, if your strategy and in like the message of your show is built into the x-ray feature like that's not a good strategy because a no, lot of but, people are just gonna but miss that's it. for sure a supplemental material thing it's kind of like a map being yeah. printed on the hardcover but not the soft cover sometimes you know what i mean like it's nice yeah. to have yeah and if you take advantage enough. of it great but like you it's not essential i don't know i kind of the mm-hmm. thing is okay this is a big tangent I, I won't spend long on it but like streaming services as we've seen have messed media up in a lot of ways. A way that they could kind of redeem themselves is to be a little bit more like outgoing with like using the format that it's not just a DVD and that people are viewing this on like machines that are capable of like navigation options beyond like a DVD mm-hmm. menu. You know what I mean? They, I'm not saying that they should go out and build like, you know, interactive, like choose your adventure experiences. But like Amazon's X-ray feature is a really good example of like something that I really appreciate and like a streaming. And so yeah. if there's like ways that you can pause it and access some supplemental material or cut to an interview about the scene in question or just things like that, like I really wish streaming uh-huh. services would take advantage of stuff like that. And they just aren't. And it's and it seems like they can't even build a basic player like most of these guys. Like it's really confounding to me how like most streaming services, like you go and try and watch them and like things are just broken about it that shouldn't be anyway that's neither here nor there but no you're right i mean with as much money as they spend in tech like they should be able to throw together something like that like that's not a hard piece of additional like ui to build into your streaming platform yeah like straight up okay one example i we just finished watching this is us on hulu i'm proud of ourselves that we pushed through it and i watch all of sunny in philadelphia on hulu Mackenzie and I watch uh, some other shows on Hulu and still sometimes we, and we finished this as also like a month ago. And still sometimes when we launch Hulu, it takes us to like the second to last episode of this is us when like there have been uh-huh. multiple shows that we have started and watched after we have finished completely the series. This is us. I have no idea. It is confounding to me. It could take me to multiple other shows that I'd be more happy with, but nope, just this is us and Hulu. It's been around for 15 years or whatever. It, it's unbelievable to me. Anyway, do better. Right. Do there's, there's a rant. Better. Do better. Do better. Streaming please. services. Okay. What did Wheel of Time season two uh, do well at since we've, <laughs> we've ranted about some negatives? Uh, I think, again, the biggest thing is the characters. I love the Sanchen. The Sanchen have been so good um, this season. Yeah. I thought they me. were, they look cool. I thought I yeah. was a little underwhelmed by their. I don't know the scale of their entrance into the town that Perrin and uh, the Shinarians were at seemed a little strange. Like they had their high lady there on the backs of the slaves or whatever, get in like on this huge platform. 
but the, yeah, they were taking over like a tiny little village. It like that entrance seemed like you got to have that in a big city that you've just conquered. Like, why are they marching through the wherever, taking over fishing villages with this big like thing that she's sitting? At? That seemed a little strange to me. Anyway, but they do look cool. <laughs> Aside yeah, from that, they do. I didn't. I didn't really mind that. Maybe. Maybe that is a good point. But I, I think to me, it's just like maybe they haven't brought over their enough forces, and they're just like making people swear the oaths. I don't know. It. It does seem like it does seem like it would have been cooler, and they were in a bigger city in the books. I I didn't mind it. I thought that the uh, we talked about like the decision to take Uno out that was pretty intense. The costumes are great. I do like, and this is kind of another change, but I like that they have the dark one, um, quote unquote, there like mm-hmm. uh, alongside the yeah. Uh, I mean, we don't even need to say quote unquote anymore because. In in episode three, Moraine said that's not the dark one. It's the Shamuel. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, have we said his name yet? They they did say Shamuel, right? Everybody I am said so. very confident sure. Moraine did. But I okay. I mean, right. it's not a secret. I'll spoil. His name is is Forsaken. His name is Shamuel. And yeah, yeah I th- I think that it kind of works. That that's another change that I'm like, okay, yeah, those are good changes to make. Like, mm-hmm. and. Lee Zeroth was intense. I'm really interested to see uh, once they take off the mask on Zeroth, because in one of the interviews that I watched, like some of Amazon's bonus content, they were talking with the uh, like makeup artists and they said her whole face was like prosthetics, which is interesting to me. Like, what are they, what's going on under, under that mask? Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Anyway, preview for future episodes, I guess. Yeah, just every, everything was everything was really well done um with the with the shan i'm glad they gave perrin more to do and that they integrated him in with the shan chan like that was all that yeah i totally one agree. thing yeah one thing i'm a little bit torn on uh stepping back a little bit with perrin is like giving him some of Rand's storyline like with the fly scene going and seeing the visions of the family that was like killed mm-hmm. and and the flies that was like kind of a big scene from the books and obviously Rand experienced that in the show it's perrin I don't know if I mind it that much, but it, it was kind of weird that they've that they're kind of doing that. I think they I think they kind of struggled to think like, okay, with Perrin's wolf brother powers, like what is that really gonna look like on screen? And I feel like this is I hope that this is somewhat of an introduction to like Teleron Riyadh and how that's yeah. gonna work in some different ways. And should we now talk about I think the best uh Best parts of the show for me have okay. been uh, Nynaeve and Egwene at the White Tower. Yeah, agreed. I also yeah. thought the White Tower was the best plotline. Yeah, and I didn't think I was going to like it going in. Honestly, in the book series, I would the White Tower plotlines were always kind of boring to me. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, they're not super thrilling for. I mean, there definitely are exciting things that happen, like very exciting things. That happen. La- yeah, later on in the series, there's a few really yeah, but but there are a lot of. Not so exciting things that happened, <laughs> yeah. but no, they've done a good job of, of, in this case, they added a lot of drama to what was going on, but I felt like it wasn't manufactured. It seemed to be within, within the character motivations, within who the characters were. I like that Leandrin is much more sympathetic and this kind of relationship that she has with Nynaeve, I think is well done. And like Nynaeve being quote unquote dead, even though I don't think anyone really thought she was dead. While that may have been a little just 
put in there to add some drama, like the way that they were able to play the drama up and allow the characters to respond to her death was good. And so I thought all, yeah, I really have no complaints. Yeah. The arches, I'm glad that they got like the bulk of the episode that they weren't just like a side plot that she went through. Like that Mm -hmm. was a, they, they did a really good job with that, especially with the, with the third arch kind of subverting, like what, you know, kind of throwing you. I thought that was a really good piece of storytelling. I was, uh, I was tricked. I thought that yeah. she was actually going to leave the white tower. Yeah. And I was like, and, and again, because they've changed enough. Seems like that's possible. It right? seemed like that's possible. Like you could still yeah. make most of naive storyline in general, like her story arc work if that happened, but it wouldn't require a lot of changes, but they've already done mm-hmm. that. So yeah, you're like, oh, wow, that's a very interesting way to go. And then it kind of twisted your brain around. So I, I'm excited to watch that. Mackenzie, a non-book reader, to see her reaction from that and see if she's like more or less surprised than I was. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and, and I think that that was like a very, th- that was a huge way to test Night Nynaeve and her dedication was to like give her everything that she had, you know, like that part of her wanted to be with Lan, mm-hmm. to have a family, mm-hmm. to go back to the two rivers. And a really good way of showing who Nynaeve was at her core for a character that does not naturally you know express some of those innermost desires mm-hmm. yeah well done so okay real uh, yeah real real test for you in the white tower uh what did you think of elaine okay heck yeah elaine my girl dude she okay I, Back, the, backstory yeah. in case you're just picking up on phantology is uh josh loved elaine in the books kind of an unpopular opinion uh, so we're, we want to see what he thought in the show. Just let me let me cover myself a little bit. She's not like my favorite character by anything by any means, but I did really like her by far more than much at the fandom seems. To. So yeah, look, the portrayal is awesome. Like the actress is great. The um, friendship, like I really appreciate that they're starting this friendship slash kind of rivalry between her and Egwene, and her also just like calling out Egwene for for being kind of selfish with her, with how she's thinking about her relationship with Nynaeve. And, you know, all of those things really, really worked for me. I thought it was, you know, cool to see like the fact that in some ways she is like a spoiled entitled uh, person to, you know, bring all of her trappings mm-hmm. of home and gets, you know, set up in this little, in, in the white tower. But then the fact that she like was willing to take the blame for that and not have it be passed on to like some servant a yeah. plus, you know, great like it shows that she's both a little bit yes entitled but that she's not like at her core a selfish person i thought before or after breakfast great line you know it just i don't know a lot of a lot of those things really really worked for me and yeah overall 10 out of 10 character introduction yeah great i agree i don't have any uh i don't have any further comments i think you nailed it i think that she's done very well yeah and i think that she can grow into like her future kind of character arcs i think that I think it's going to be really cool to see all that happen. The the only, again, the the kind of weird part was her and Egwene just kind of hanging out at the um, arches. It seems like, you know, they would have either tried to like channel together to get it to open back up or. Well, I mean, Egwene probably would have wanted Elaine to help her do that, but she was like, no, I'm definitely not doing that because we're, we're going to die. Like, yeah. yeah, that's not, it's not going to work. There's no possible way to do that. Right. But just to like have them go to sleep on the floor there was kind of a weird decision. 
I don't know. Yeah. It also seems kind of strange that they're able to just like access the Tarahangriol yeah. without any without the sisters. Like, yeah, like, well, you shouldn't be here. This is off limits. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Seriously. They, they had to at least have snuck past like some sort of, you know, fluffy mm-hmm. or, or. Right. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Definitely sink past fluffy d- to the get the devil's there. snare. Get, get past the devil's snare. Like, you got you to gotta do something. Right. Right, right. You can't just walk in there. One does not just simply approach the <laughs> Tarang girl. I think that kind of gets of my, the only negative thing I have about the White Tower is I just don't think the White Tower looks that great. It still looks kind of small and I think it looks fake. I kind of disagree with you on that. I mean, yeah, it does have some issues, but I think it definitely has a, has like a unique feel to it. Like it's, it's pristine, but also like kind of coming apart at the seams in some ways, you know, like, yeah. I, I like it. I don't I don't know. Like you can tell that in my opinion, it looks like it used to be great, but has seen better days. You're right. Like there's not as many like sweeping shots. A lot of them are like more com- compact shots in the in the um passageways and stuff. But I don't know. I I think it's fine. Just the way that they've done the filmography to me, I don't buy that the outside shots of the tower, which is massive and huge, I don't buy that that's the inside of the tower the inside. That I'm seeing. Yeah. Kind of like there's a dis there's a disconnect. I agree. Something like thinking I know I just referenced Harry Potter, but thinking back to like the movies of Harry Potter, like even having some of those establishing shots of like looking up mm. and seeing all of the staircases like moving and stuff, you know? Yeah. You right, right. Most of and, and like the shot of the Great Hall. Like most mm. of the other shots were were shot in like classrooms or or hallways or dorms and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And like they weren't huge shots, but having some shots in there to give you the scale, right? Probably would I help think, with that. Yeah, I feel like that's what we're missing. I mean, there was the one scene with the sisters kind of in a courtyard area. Yeah. And they tried to do some with Egwene walking along the outside. There's this, there's the set that they have on the outside of the tower where Leandrin's like burning the or melting down the ring. And I think we saw Moraine there in season one as well. I, so they're attempting to do it. I just, uh, I don't know. It doesn't, it's not quite there. Did you um, and any other listeners uh, catch the Easter egg that was put into that scene? The one with As, the engine burning or melting the ring? Well, there's that. But also when Egwene walked past the flame, did you see that? When she was walking on her way out, uh, go, rewatch, go rewatch that scene and watch the uh, flame. Okay. Oh, okay. I, I assume you're getting seeing, it. I might've been seeing things, but. Uh, I assume you're getting at some some pretty late yeah. Um, yeah. spoilers, but okay. Yeah, I'll check I'm it not, out. That's, I'm not going to say cool. more than that, but listen, you know, listeners that have read the series, go yeah. back and watch this well, Daniel Ferguson. Oh, I don't remember what, but there was a similar, like, there was a similar hint in season one, like very beginning of maybe episodes one or two that also kind of hinted at the same thing. Yeah. I'm 100% remember. positive that happened, but I don't remember what, what it was. Oh, so, I, okay. I that, that's kind of fun. I do. I think it was actually in a in a delete in a scene, a promotional scene that I don't think made it in the show. Oh, okay. With all the colors coming down and yeah. I don't, okay, and yeah, no, I know what you're talking about. I thought it was something else as well, but yeah, okay, maybe that's just what. It, yeah. So I, I mean, I just feel like, uh, you know, to bring up our Game of Thrones example or House of the Dragon, like the Red Keep is obviously not. You know, we don't see it extensively. They can't have sets in every room, but I just feel like those types of things, I just buy 
I buy that the outside that I'm seeing is the same as the inside and I don't, I'm not there with the White Tower. So I am going back and rewatching Game of Thrones right now, watching season two where they just got to, oh dang, Cora? What's that city? The city in the desert where- With with Daenerys? Yeah, with Daenerys. She just goes Uh, there. Karth? Karth, Karth, yeah. Where they have the warlocks? And they open the gates and it looks really bad. If you go back and watch that, it looks like, I mean, for sure, like it looks fine, but- you it, you can tell for sure it's like a painting, you know, like one of those where they do like the painting and set the painting as like the background. So they have like okay. the foreground set and then like have a background uh-huh. being a painting. And like, it looks really bad. And so, I, yeah, you know, okay. like you do get stuff like that in, in Game yeah. of Thrones too, but I think it's easily forgiven for some reason because- Point taken so in that things. my memory of that show, which is more kind of a foundational, is probably, you know, a little- it's probably very forgiving and probably also not accurate in the actual quality in a lot of it. Well, a lot of it is really good. So I, I will say that. And, but the thing is they take their time. But I mean, back then, back then yeah. when we were watching game of Thrones, we were not doing weekly reviews of the show and like dissecting yeah. the minutia of what was good, what was bad. Right. we were just like watching it and enjoying it. Exactly. Yeah. So it's fair to notice that. I'm not saying it's like not an issue, but just just something to keep in mind that even like these great shows, you know, when you mm. when you watch it critically, can you can pull out, you know, things that definitely don't work. Mm. Yeah. Point taken. Point taken. Okay. Anything else we need to mention in the first three episodes? I feel like that's pretty pretty sweeping overview of most of the main points. Yeah. Yeah. Overall, I, um it's it is a little bit to see a little bit weird to see um Matt with Celine or not Matt Rand with Celine, like just how just their relationship. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it seems like it's kind of more established and in the, in the books, it's like always, it never gets to where it is in the show. So that's kind of still taking True. some adjustment for me. I mean, in general, um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of differences. So yeah, there's very sure. few scenes that are actually from the books. Yeah. But yeah, I see what you're saying. However, I am fine with that because I think Celine is very well done. I think she's, cast very well and is very sexy and kind of gives off you know the most beautiful and slightly like questionable woman in the world right and so i think it's i think it's done well i think it's very well set up yeah and i do i do enjoy the intrigue which i can't remember if this was in the book or not i don't think it was but of having the idea of having the the hunt for the horn be what clears out the equivalent of like flea bottom i'm forgetting what they are calling in like the gate the yeah, I don't remember what the they're calling it in the show. The four, the yeah. four gate, four, four gate, gate or something. Yeah, I, I think is? that's right. Yeah, 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 sounds right. But like, We're that, going that's gate. cool. You know, like that—that's a bit of world building that I don't think was in the books. That like kind of makes sense, and you know, I'm kind of glad mm-hmm. they good stuff like that in the show. I wish they would have. Uh, I mean, maybe this is too much, but eventually we're going to start caring about who the nobility of these places are. And I mean, when they say Queen of Carrion, actually, is that even? Dang, I'm gonna. I'm not even gonna try to get this right, but I feel like that may not be accurate. To do you remember? Because you just read book two. Like, who's in charge I, of carrying at this point? I don't remember. Yeah, I mean, that's gonna be something that's more important in the future. But I guess maybe just mentioning it now, mentioning it for now is probably fine. And we'll see. I, in general, I'm interested to see what happens with carrying going forward. Maybe, maybe in this season, and the nobility will show up somehow. I mean, Elaine is there. And she talks about being the daughter heir in Andor. So, uh, but we haven't we haven't really seen much of what that's going to mean for the show yet. Um, 
Galdrian is the ruler, I believe, of Kyran. Okay, so he's the king at this point. Yeah, the king. Yeah. So, and they change it. It seems like they change right. it. Right. Right. Because that's the guy. Okay. I guess we can't really talk about um, yeah. what happens in the books. But okay. Because kind of off camera, there's a bit of stuff that happens with him and um, another character, another character that was in season one that we haven't seen in season two and may not yeah. see in season two. We'll see. Right. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, episodes come out every Friday, no, every Thursday evening. So we'll probably have reviews out like, you know, a few days to a week afterwards. Yeah, so subscribe to the YouTube channel. I don't know if you're planning on doing that every every show, but I think we'll probably try and get some sort of reaction out, even if it's like a short yeah. or some or a booktube video from yeah. Steven. We'll try and get the booktubes. Out. The booktubes always do well. Like, I guess this isn't even a booktube. Uh, the TV show tube uh, reviews... <laughs> For Wheel of Time, I always do well, so I kind of like doing those. We're not really in it for you know the views and the <laughs> and the yeah, but... uh, pennies and dimes, for pennies and nickels from YouTube. But it is fun to see people actually watch them and those ones. Yeah, and we get views, some so. more, more engagement, and some people find the community and stuff. So yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah. fun to do those. But so subscribe yeah. if you're not to our YouTube channel. Yeah, good call. Yeah, we'll probably do like maybe every two episodes, throw out a review of the show. If Four and five, six and seven, eight, something like that. Yeah, yeah. All right. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, man. See ya.